Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F. as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Friday, January 1st, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 2, There is a Solution, on page 26, paragraph number 1. We will be reading and commenting on that first paragraph only, on page 26, which begins with, a certain American businessman, and ends with, no satisfactory explanation for his fall. Today's readers are Lorreen Z, Jason S, Craig F, and Tenzin P. This meeting is being recorded, and the recording share ID numbers for yesterday, Thursday, December 31st, 2020, are 16,104 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's 16104, and 16,105. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, that's 16105. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laureen D. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Laureen D. Good morning, Rebecca. Uh, Thank you for your service, and Happy New Year's, everyone. My name is Laureen D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Washington State. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Laureen D. from the state of Washington. I will now ask Jason S. to read the OA 12 tradition. Morning, everybody. My name is Jason S. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Lacombe, Alberta, Canada. 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsible reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to do service, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jason S. from Alberta, Canada. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to unmute your phone, to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph on page 25. Wait a minute, did I make a mistake? No, I did make a mistake. We're reading and commenting on the first paragraph on page 26, which begins with a certain American businessman and ends with no satisfactory explanation for his fall. I will now ask Craig F. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, am I being heard? I'm assuming I am. You are great. Great. Uh, a certain American businessman had the ability, good sense, and high, high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Uh, then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of the celebrated physicians, the psychiatrist Dr. Young, who prescribed for him. Through experience, though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and medical, mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. Well, this is a uh, very uh, important and uh, uh, I think a, a transitional um, paragraph. I had to start my timer. Um, the uh, the first half of uh, there is a solution is uh, kind of the theory, the the philosophy, the the explanation of this of the need for a spiritual experience. Now we're launching into an example, and the example that, that Bill has chosen to give us here is a guy named Roland Hazard. And uh, Roland was very had wealthy. The family had a lot of money. Obviously, he could take off, uh, take a year to go to Europe and get treated by Dr. Young, and, and that's what he had done. And uh, it said he felt like he'd uh, found the uh, uh, knowledge, profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and, the, and its hidden springs, um, but he relapsed anyway. And, you know, that's a, uh, a, a warning note to, to us. Sometimes, um, we, even in program, uh, I can spend a lot of time trying to figure out why, you know, and, and I have to be reminded that there's no chapter that says why it works or why I, why I ate or why I drank. It, it, the, 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 the solution uh, isn't based in having to even understand that. But uh, Roland uh, went through his treatment, figured out the uh, wellsprings and, the, and all of that, uh, had a profound inner knowledge. And he, he was in Vienna with the doctor, and he went to uh, Paris 
the board is ship home and met parents, met some uh, of his parents' friends there, and uh, they opened a bottle of champagne uh, to celebrate his newfound sobriety, and uh, you know, which is almost laughable, but uh, uh, you know, he 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 didn't have the knowledge and the defense of what was going to happen when he triggered that allergy. And so he was drunk again. And, uh, you know, he didn't have the spiritual awakening that we've been discussing for the last uh, week or two here. Uh, he, what he had was just the self-knowledge, and the self-knowledge had not protected him. And, and it doesn't protect me either. Um, so, you know, we're going to get into the fact that he was with Dr. Young. You know, Dr. Uh, he'd gone actually to see Dr. Uh, uh, Freud and, and Freud uh, couldn't take him and then Freud sent him to uh, uh, his second in the command and I can't think of his name right now but uh, anyway he couldn't take him either and they sent him to Dr. Young and um, you know th- there's there's a miracle in that in that Dr. Freud and, and, and the other his other uh, pupil uh, didn't believe in the in in spiritual things, but yet Dr. Young did, and so we're going to come up soon to know that it was a it was a miracle that he ended up with Dr. Young because that that leads us finally to understand the uh, the, the need for the spiritual experience, and and so I'm excited to hear what everybody else has to say on this New Year's Day, and with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig S. from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on an A Vision for You meeting on Wednesday or Thursday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 26, a certain American businessman through no satisfactory explanation for his fall, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial and where you're from. Uh, Larry K. Larry K. On M. On M. Maria. C. Maria, wait one second. I think, is it Maria F? Yeah, Rebecca. Thank you. Okay. And then who was after Maria F? I didn't catch. Nancy C. Nancy C, is it? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Anybody else? Okay. Amanda D. Oh. Lisa B. Wait one second. Did I hear Amanda B? Yes. Thank you. Okay. And then was Lisa B the other voice at the same time as Amanda? Yes, that's right. Lisa B. Lisa B. And then Surrey C. And I think we should stop there. So we have Larry K. On M. Maria F. Nancy C. Amanda B. Lisa B. And Surrey C. Larry K. Larry K. Oh, there, here I am, Rebecca. Can you hear me all right? Yes, thank you. Okay, so sorry about that. Thanks for your service, Rebecca. 
you know, I, I, um, I really love uh, this paragraph because, and I'm just going to focus, um, I like to focus on, on Carl Jung because um, Carl Jung for me has been a, a, a big influence and obviously a big influence in uh, the 12 steps in early AA and Bill Wilson identified him as that. And here we see that Roland Hazard is going to see him uh, for the first time. And, um, you know, Jung, um, you know, what I've learned is that he had a, a real strong affinity for uh, spiritual realms and, uh, and, and that reflected a, a lot of his work and practice at the time. And, and, and as Craig beautifully spoke about, this was, um, you know, he, he, he was one of the preeminent uh, psychologists at that time. Um, and, and he, he, you know, what I learned too is that he differentiated between uh, religion and spirituality. And that was, that, that would become really important to people like you and you and I, because it, um, you know, with the 12 steps, uh, obviously we do as well. That's a big part of that. And he, he understood, um, our spiritual needs as, um, as a real hunger. And, um, he emphasized the importance of balance and he, and he, and he really cautioned that I, I, I would imagine that he, uh, this was part of his, his interaction, his early interaction with Roland Hazard, and we'll see how that evolves. But he talked about the balance, and, and he cautioned that, that humans rely uh, perhaps too heavily on science and logic. Um, but, but he considered himself a scientist, absolutely. But he said that they would, with that, that they would benefit from integrating spirituality and an appreciation of the unconscious realm. And, um, and that's, gosh, that's his fingerprint is all over uh, the 12 steps, right? And he, Jung felt very strongly that um, the spiritual experience was, was crucial, you know, to our overall well-being. And he, and he focused his work in, in 1940 um, and, and earlier, obviously, on the, the whole notion of, of life as having a spiritual purpose beyond, you know, our, our material realm here. Um, and, and so that we would have to discover this and fulfill our deep kind of innate inborn you know needs and, and potentials as human beings and I'm, I'm sure that's what he was trying to do with Roland early on and we'll see how that evolves but one of the one of the things that Jung said that I just love is he said because it describes me so well and here I'm I'm, I'm embarking on a four-step today um, and yesterday he said that we meet ourselves time and time again in a thousand disguises on the path of life. And boy, does that describe us. It certainly describes me. And this 12-step process is, is, you know, in many ways about unmasking those, those many disguises on the path of life. And we all have them. And I certainly do. And he said that, you know, until I, I would imagine, you know, I, I don't know if this actually, but I imagine he, he tried to, I'm just going to finish up, Rebecca, that he probably tried to talk to uh, Roland about this, that until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we'll call it fate. And so um, that's what this process is about, is, is really an unmasking. And uh, I'm so grateful for it. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you, Larry Kay from Illinois. On M. On. We can't hear you. Star one. Or maybe unmute your mute button on your phone. Good morning, Rebecca. It's Anne here from Ireland, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Can I be heard? 
There you are. Um, oh, the thank floor you. is yours. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for your service and uh, happy new year to to yourself and to everyone on the line. Uh, yeah, I love this paragraph, and uh, you know it just really outlines, I suppose, around this around the illness for me and around you know the solution, which is a higher power, and and the, and the fact that we're beyond human aid. Um, I love the opening. You know, a, a, an American, a certain American businessman, and you know, he'd everything, he'd ability, good sense, and high character, everything you know, he had for, yeah, for good quality living and a good life. But you know, what this really shows me is he didn't understand his illness. And uh, yeah, and without that, you know, without not understanding this illness, there's no understanding around the solution or the program of action. And, uh, it just really outlines that to me, you know, he, he goes on to talk about, you know, the many lengths that he goes to try to find a solution, you know, from one sanitarium to another. And it just really, I suppose, really has me reflect on my journey and where I went to try and find, you know, what was wrong with me and what, what the solution was. And I never found that until I came to recovery. Um, it's really, I suppose, you know, a good eye-opener for me around... The length that we went to in the illness, the length that we went to to find a solution and to understand our problem and yeah, and just really missing that big missing piece, you know, the higher power and a connection and and a crystal clear connection with a higher power. Um, and I just love the way it goes on to talk about, you know, knowledge and self-knowledge and you know, the, the, you know, Roland Hazard, I suppose it's, it's the part where I suppose I thought in my way and my, and my journey, I thought, you know, mental and physical, if I could get the mental and get this out of my head, but uh, you know, that wasn't true. And it was understanding really, you know, there's no, there's no satisfactory explanation like it says here in the big book. There is just none. Understanding what this illness is, and the severity and just the nature of it, I think, just gives me great comfort that it is a disease. It is a, you know, a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And the, and the solution, only one solution is a spiritual solution. And it's a, a connection with a higher power. And how do I get that? I get that through work and acknowledging the first three steps, you know, that I have this. The power is a higher power. And, and, and that, you know, I'm going to make a commitment and, 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 then it's taken action around to unblock and that's the benefits and it's you know you reap the benefits once it's understood once there is a conceding to my innermost self and then just doing the work and it's daily work and with that I pass and thank you again for your service and everybody on the line and happy new year thanks thank you on um from Ireland Maria S Good morning, Rebecca. Um, Maria S. here, also from Ireland. And Happy New Year to you, Rebecca, and to everybody on the line today. My name is Maria F. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I know that I often say, you know, I love, I love the paragraph, but I absolutely love this paragraph. Um, and I think, you know, what, what Craig said there, and uh, he spoke about it being transformation of this paragraph. And I think, you know, it changed history. You know, it changed history for alcoholics, compulsive overeaters, Al-Anon. GA, you know, just a fantastic start to what we hear, you know, what happened between Dr. Young and Roland Hazard. And here's, here's you know, Roland Hazard, he eventually gets between Ebby and the judge, you know, because um, he goes on, he's found the solution. Um, he's found a way out. 
he finds a way out through working to to hearing the solution and um and you know today it would be the treatment centers you know and back then he was floundering between the sanitariums um and he goes to see you know uh, dr young and Michelle, as we shared you know he's the the third most um eminent psychiatrist in the world you know he he worked with adler he worked with freud and he broke away and he broke away because he disagreed with them they believed that the solution lay in analyzing the mind and he knew that there was another that there was another way he knew that people could be helped by spirituality and you would think you know that the idea of a spiritual experience would come from someone of a religious background yet dr young doesn't have a religious background um, and neither did dr silkworth so we get you know the we get the problem and we get the solution from two people who don't have religious backgrounds um, and it says here, you know, experience made him sceptical. And I was always sceptical because everything that I tried had failed. You know, the treatment centres, the diets, the different clubs, the different methods. You know, they'd work for a while until they didn't, you know. And I thought that if I analysed my mind enough, I'd find the reason. You know, I'd find the reason for my eating. And, um, you know, knowing the inner workings of my mind will not treat this illness. You know, I need what Dr. Young called a vital spiritual experience. Um, that's what I need. That's my solution. And uh, yeah, you know, he says, you know, yeah, he's, he describes it later on. He talks about the way of thinking. And that's what I needed. I need to change attitude adjuster because my problem was in my thinking. You know, um, I used to think my problem was food. Food is not my problem. It was the solution to my problem, but it wasn't my problem. Um, and there's no chapter in this book called Into Thinking or Into Figuring It Out. But there is, you know, in the chapter, there is a solution. And, you know, I could be still trying to analyze my mind and still trying to figure it out today. And thank you, God, that I know what my problem is today and that I have a solution um, and that I have a higher power working in my life today. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Oh, thanks you. Thank you, Maria F. from Ireland. Uh, Nancy C., you're next. But before you start your share, I thought I would let the people who got on late know where we are. And so we are on the first paragraph on page 26. A certain American businessman. Just that one paragraph. And Nancy C., take it away. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for your service and Happy New Year to everyone. I'm Nancy C., recovered compulsive overeater from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, this paragraph really hit me because um, a successful businessman, successful, all self-contained um, and knowing where he was going and had that self-knowledge, also went and um, figured out that he had the cure to his alcoholism. I can't tell you how many self-help books, how many programs, how many new diets, how many new treatments um, I did for my disease of compulsive overeating that I thought it was going to be taken care of forever. My self-knowledge, my, my, my was going to take care of this. 
And always, just like it says at the end of this chapter, that, you know, for no reason he couldn't figure it out, he got drunk again. Well, I ate again, and I could not figure out why it wouldn't work. You know, New Year's Day for me was always a new beginning that was broken by the time I got up. You know, I had new resolutions, and I know so many people are waking up today with that same thing. But then it became a free day because I still had to eat for the day. And then I was off for the rest of the year and never really got anything because it was all me. And I am so grateful that in this program today, um, a loving sponsor and the fellowship has brought me through a spiritual awakening where I realized that now it's not my self-knowledge. My self-knowledge does me nothing. It's all God's power and the power that I get in these rooms that bring me to a recovered state and that the food is not my problem today. Um, I am so grateful to be part of this fellowship and to all of you. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy C. from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Amanda B. Um, can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Amanda. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Amanda D., as in dog, um, and I am from South Central Pennsylvania. And um, the, the, the last line of the paragraph, more baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. And the first thing that I thought of when I read that was that Every time I got into the food, I could tell you exactly why I was doing it. And it was because I was a horrible person. I was worthless. And uh, even when people told me that they loved me or that, um, or that I, I, was, I contributed, I knew they just didn't know the real me. They just didn't see the horribleness that I successfully hid every day. Um, and uh, now I know, I know that I'm a good person through doing the 12 steps. Um, it, in the before time, every time that I would lack or I knew I wouldn't be perfect at something, I took it as a moral judgment of myself. Um, it was a criticism that I was lacking and I was not enough. Um, like right now, this is my first share. This is my first share on vision. This is frightening. Um, and I, I can already tell that, like, I can already think of, well, you know, you could have added a transition sentence here that would have made your point clearer. You're going to think of like 13,000 different things that, you know, might have spoken to someone better that day. And, um, and oh, well, um, the, one of the best things I've ever heard on this line is that my God speaks to me in short de declarative sentences. And so when I ask my God, am I a bad person? He says, no. And when I say, uh, you know, should I share? I won't do it perfectly. He says, just try it. It'll be okay. And so that's what I'm doing, y'all. And um, 
thank you for letting me share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Amanda D. from South Central Pennsylvania. Lisa B. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, everyone that's here. It's so good to hear you all. Um, I wanted to share about that word relapse. My mind is always going to take me back to the food. It's always going to take me back to the drink unless I receive the spiritual treatment, you know, of the steps. And I thought that relapse was just a rite of passage, a natural thing. It's something that we all have to go through. And I learned through you guys and studying this book and taking the action steps of this book in abstinence that I can actually have permanent recovery. But, you know, I wanted to talk about relapse and what I found Relapse is assuming I've experienced a recovered state. And, you know, I found for myself, I never really got recovered. And I kept saying I was relapsing. I never really got recovered, you know. I thought abstinence was recovered. But also when I look back, I never was really entirely abstinent. I would always negotiate, um, let one thing go and not let a behavior go, or let one ingredient go but have this or something, you know. And, and then when I really got clear about what entire abstinence was, it, it was an amazing experience for me. But my mind, you know, my mind rebels against anything that will destroy it. And about 18 pages from now, we're going to learn, you know, what the, the root of our problem is. But right now we're talking about the mental twist and the mental blank spot. And he's showing us with this example that his mind, his mind is always going to take him back to the drink. Just like my mind always took me back to the food. The root of the problem is in my mind. And I wanted so much to be able to live my life separate from a higher power, even though I loved my higher power. I loved my higher power, but I did not want to submit. I did not want to go through the ego deflation that these steps take me through. And I still don't want to. My mind still rebels against anything that will destroy it. That's why I need to stay in this work. And the other thing that it's talking about is a profound knowledge I thought that having knowledge about myself, and sometimes I can still fall into that. I want to know why. Why did this happen? Why did that person say that? Why did I do that? Why? And sometimes I just, I don't know why, other than I'm a compulsive overeater, and sometimes I get sick. I go back into the sickness again, and I need to get into these steps. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. from Greenville, South Carolina, and Lisa spells her name L-E-S-A. Three C. Siri, we can't hear you. Hello. Suri, is that you? Yeah, hi. Yes, hi. Goodness gracious. Breach from reality to fantasy, fantasy to reality. Um, um, I shared early in the week and I was on this high. You know, lots of Fs. Fun fact. The fact of the matter is fact. The fact. We need to stay with the fact. We need to stay with this 
program. I need to fit myself into the program instead of trying to fit the program into me because I'm like Roland, right? I'm so privileged. I have, I was born into privilege and I still live a life of privilege and that I'm awake and I'm here and I have people in my life that love me and want me not to self-destruct. And what do I do? I self-destruct. And so, right, taking away the logic, taking away the facts, the fact is that I'm still not absent. The fact is I'm heading into a weekend where I just want to work on my own abstinence. I want to be alone with me and God and just work on my abstinence because I want this. I need this for myself because truth of the matter is that getting together with friends and celebrating sobriety, celebrating anything with a glass of wine should be normal, right? It should be normal, except... I'm not normal. And when I say I'm not normal to some friends, they're like, Marie, stop talking so badly about yourself. You know? And then I have some friends who will say, okay, they get like I'm saying I'm not normal because I'm like so cool. Right? I don't want to be so cool. I don't want to be normal. And and these steps are what I need for myself because I have that mental twist in my head. They'll constantly try to bring me to either so not normal because I'm so awesome or so not normal because I'm so horrible. And I just want to normalize that. And 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 I, it's crazy because I use food to do it and so accessible. So I, even even being late for this, I mean, I, I literally dozed because I'm whatever, right? I can go through a whole story, but it's just about the food. Ah. Uh, so Roland, Roland, you know, thank God, God gets the help he needs, and I am hopeful with God's help that I will also even normal or not normal as I continue to identify in and recognize that this mental twist is with me every single day, and I have to show up every day, try to reimagine what this experience needs to be, what God wants me to experience today, um, and I allow him to run the show and not me. Um, It'll be an amazing day. And that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Siri C. You're from Connecticut, correct? Pretty sure. One of my neighbors. Um, so it's time to take more names, but let me just tell you that if you haven't shared on a vision for you on a Wednesday or Thursday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 26 in the big book, a certain American businessman through no satisfactory explanation for his fall, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Megan T. I think I heard Megan T. And P, did I hear as in Paul. P, thank you for the correction. And was that... Devorah S. Devorah S. Did I hear Minnie, or was it a name that sounded like Vinny when Minnie was talking? Larry G. Okay, I wrote, I'm writing down Larry G, but who was that faint voice that I keep missing? Vivian M. Oh, Vivian M. Is it M as in Mary? Yes, it is. Gotcha, Vivian. See if you can make, when it's your turn, make it a little easier to hear you. It's muffled. I think we may have time for a fifth, one last share, and it may be a little bit short. Does someone want that slot? 
Matiem. Matiem, it's yours. Okay, let's go with Megan P, Vivian M, Devorah S, Larry G, and Mati. Rebecca, please press star one to unmute your phone. Wow, that's strange. Okay, um, thanks, Katie G. <laughs> what? Uh, let me just repeat. The, I'm not sure what you heard and what you didn't. Uh, we have Megan P, Vivian M, Devorah S, Larry G, and Mati M, and it's Megan P's turn. Can you hear me now? Yes, you're being heard. Oh, good, good. Thanks, Katie. Hi, this is Megan P. from Durham, North Megan. Carolina. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Awesome. Technical difficulties this morning. Um, I've heard so many awesome things. It's been such a fabulous meeting and so many different uh, perspectives on this particular chapter. So if I were rolling hazard and I got drunk after spending a whole year with a psychiatrist, I would not have the humility to go back and say, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? I would have said, that doctor's a quack. He doesn't do anything for me. So we have that to thank for Roland. Um, the other thing that I get out of this, and I've heard people um, alluding to it and, and, and commenting on it, is I in my disease was stuck in why am I this way? If I only could figure out what my family of origin did to me that, that you know, made me abnormal, then, then I'd be okay. Then I could fix it. Then I could fix it. And what I came to understand about my own character defects is anytime I focus on why, I'm avoiding the issue. So it's a real red flag for me to surrender at that point and let go of why, because it doesn't matter. It, you know, it is what it is. I'm where I'm at because I'm where I'm at. And the solution is to surrender, to surrender to this program, the process, a sponsor, and my higher power. And that's where the solution lies, is me giving up. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Megan P. from Durham, North Carolina. Vivian M. Good morning. Can you hear me better now? Oh, much better. Good morning, okay. Vivian M. Thank you. Good morning. This is Vivian M. I'm recovered compulsive overeater for today in Colchester, Vermont. And um, when I read this, um, this morning, um, boy, I have gone to so many different places and walked out of doctor's offices or treatment centers or, or you know, those those things that would pop up everywhere with these sad diets. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is it. In fact, I was a poster girl in Los Angeles for Nutrisystem. And, well, after I lost the weight, I started counseling people. I got a job as a counselor. And as I was counseling, I was binging, and I couldn't tell them that because 
I I was so sick. I just couldn't understand, and I wouldn't admit it to anybody, but I had to leave because, you know, every week I was getting heavier and heavier. Um, it, it was just an amazing thing. I just couldn't figure this out. I just could not figure this out. And I, but I always had hope. There was always that hope. And I believe that hope was, was, was that sense of my God inside me that I always knew was there. I just didn't know. I just didn't know what to do or how to do anything with this. And I have to tell you what happened to me last night. Well, I did find the program and I did recover one day at a time. And, uh, I, 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 last night, you know, New Year's Eve, um, the miracle of this is that I trusted God to be with me. I was in a really not wonderful place, but I said, God, please, please, I, I, you know, I, I believe you're here for me. I, I have such faith and trust in the program and whatever it is you want me to do. And I'm doing the work. I said, just please be here with me. And I was praying and I was really, I became, I started to be really okay with being alone, even though I was not alone in this house. I was alone, totally alone. And all of a sudden, family members from different parts of the country started Zooming. And we had a party on Zoom last night. And people were eating and they were having all kinds of stuff. And I was looking at their food and I was just saying, thank you, God. That's not my food. This is not what I do. This is not what I eat. I drink water after 8 o'clock at night. Well, after dinner, 7, whenever I eat my dinner. Uh, between six and seven, sometimes seven thirty, and I didn't have to do that, and I didn't have to want it, and I started getting the buildup of my emotions before I got that call, and I was just praying, God, I'm doing this. Please be there for me. Just be there. And I usually don't pray for things for myself, but I wanted God to be there for me because I knew that if I was connected, <clears throat> excuse me, to God. I would be a better person for other people. And I heard that I'm allowed to pray for myself if it's going to benefit other people. And I knew I didn't want to be that Jekyll and Hyde person that I could become. And I have to tell you, I had one of the most wonderful New Year's Eve's I can ever recall. Uh, different? Yes. Um, flashy? No. Show off? No. That's who I used to be because I had to be that to make up for all my self-loathing and insecurities. I was sitting there in my pajamas having the time of my life with people who we all loved. We all loved each other. And that love surpassed any food, anything else I could possibly have wanted to have last night. I just want to wish you all the happiest of New Year's and the healthiest of New Year's and with such gratitude for being able to be part of this fellowship because I'm a part of this today. I'm not apart from, and I was a part of last night, and I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Vivian and Devorah. Hi, good morning, everyone, and thank you, Rebecca, and everyone who makes this meeting possible. Happy New Year. My name is Devora S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And, you know, this paragraph really is talking a lot about me. So experience had made him skeptical. He finished his treatment with unusual confidence. How often did I join a club or a weight loss center or something out there, whatever it was, and I lost weight, I got down to it, I put in a thin body, and I said, this is great. I got this thing. I got this thing. Uh, you know, life is going to be great now. Life is going to be great because I'm in a thin body. Um, and then a few months later, I'm back in food, can't stop eating, 
And uh, I don't know what happened. Like, what happened? Because I never knew. I never knew that the problem was in my mind. I never knew that my thinking was thinking and um, that I had a mental obsession. And, you know, I'm so grateful today um, that, you know, the book presented presented me the solution here, presented me that the, the main problem centers in my mind, the allergy, the allergy is triggered, the obsession takes off, and then I'm done, and then I'm done. And I could, thank you, God, I could wake up in the morning today, January 1st, and not have all these resolutions that I'm going to stop eating, I'm going to stop eating, and, you know, because that's what it was. Every new year, that's what it was. January and September, I was constantly writing, you know, this is going to be it. This is so grateful for that. Hey, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not doing that. I don't have to do that today because I'm here every day um, with you, and I'm just hearing, and, I, and I'm studying this book daily, um, and I'm, you know, and I'm looking instead. What am I looking? My resolution today is to, to pause, to get close to God, to seek his will, and, you know, that, I didn't come into program for that. Believe me, I didn't. I just came in. I wanted to lose the weight. And, but I'm here still, 21 years later, because I know this is what I need. I need this constant reminder. I need to be constantly in this book and to learn about who I am and how I can help other people. Um, and, it, and, you know, you know I'm, I'm just so grateful for these opportunities every single day where I can share this message of, you know, I don't need the food today to hurt me. Um, but what I do need is a higher power who, can, who leads me and shows me and directs me um, to, to, to try to, to seek his will and to do the next right thing. And I think it's kind of cool that, you know, here we are in a new year and we have like tons of people on this line and we're not drunk and we're not, but we're here because we want to, we want to grow, um, and um, so I, I'm just, you know, really, really grateful to be part of this, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devorah S. from New Jersey, I believe. Uh, Larry G. Larry G. Yay. <laughs> Good morning, Rebecca F. from Connecticut. My name's Larry, and I'm from um, California. Um, last New Year's uh, Day, I woke up um, irritable, restless, and discontent. I was hungover. Uh, probably had five, ten thousand calories the uh, food the night before, and I laid on this couch uh, that I'm sitting on right now, wrapped up in a blanket, watching meaningless football uh, while my wife uh, took the decorations down and totally disconnected. And um, I was white knuckling because I thought 2020 was going to be my year. This is going to be the year that I was going to get absent. Um, and it never happened until May of 17 when I came to Visions. Um, as a professional, uh, I have re- a lot of the training that I have had has been uh, as a result of Carl Jung's contribution. Um, as a recovering alcoholic, I have studied been big book studies uh and of course uh joan charlie talks a lot about the contribution that carl young made but for some reason i didn't read the memo the memo was larry you need a spiritual experience if you're going to get abstinent 
you can't do this on your own. Um, and like Roland Hazard, uh, if I had a great week in business or a great month in business, I would crack open a sheet cake or I'd crack open um, a gallon of ice cream to celebrate. I did this while in over years in arms for 26 years. Uh, never did I ever have the spiritual experience that I had uh that I've had in Alcox Anonymous where I know that I, I can't drink ever again. And uh, today I know that. And thank God for that. I was beaten in submission. Um, and um, I finally read the memo. Came this program on May 17th um, by a miracle. I, I called a woman that I had met at a conference. Uh, she was the keynote speaker. She's my sponsor today. And she invited me to Visions. Um, and today I am alive, I'm awake, I'm going to help my wife uh, together, we're going to tear down the, the Christmas decorations. Um, I have no interest in watching uh, any television football today, and I'm truly alive and awake. And you know what's really interesting is that uh, this great brain I have that tried to do it on my own for so many years was being affected, impacted uh, medically because the result, uh, the, re- the result of sugar and flour is eating. Just like the alcoholic has a wet brain, um, my brain was taking two, three, four days to recover from, um, from these prolific binges I was having. And today, um, I am, my mind is like a pinball machine with all these new insights that I'm discovering about myself as a compulsive eater. Um, Anyway, thank you uh, for your service, and uh, I'll pass. Thanks, Larry D. from California. Monty M., we do have two minutes. Monty? Star one to unmute Monty M.? Can you hear me? I hear you, Mati, and go right ahead. Two minutes. Okay. So on your marks, get set, go. Mati, grateful compulsive overeater. Um, When we read the paragraph, um, the first thing I thought was self-knowledge will avail us nothing. And uh, also thinking about the story of physician, heal thyself. I've been in psychoanalysis and very good psychoanalyst, but it didn't uh, help as far as my uh, compulsive overeating. Um, and a quick historical correction is that uh, Freud was uh, mistranslated, and if you write, if you read it in the original German. He talks about Geist, which is spirit, but the behaviorist in the United States translated it as mental activity. So if you're interested in some of that, I'd be happy to talk to you. But um, all the psychoanalysis in the world and all the self-knowledge is not going to cure us. It's not going to cure me. Uh, and both Freud and Jung knew that uh, when they wrote their case studies, that people that had addictions were not helped. 
by all the analysis in the world. So thank you so much and happy and healthy new year to everyone. Mati, before you uh, mute, where are you from? Did I miss that? Uh, Tucson, Arizona. Oh, very good. Thank you for staying on the line and telling us where you're from Thank and for sharing. Thank you, Mati M. You were our last share for this part of the meeting uh, from Tucson, Arizona. And uh, thank you to everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Friday, January 1st, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 16,111. That's 16111. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Tenzin P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, thank you very much. Um, Tenzin P. checking in from New York City. And our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.